Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Regressing to the mean since 2015, it's the Hockey PDO Cast with your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockey PDO Cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me is my good buddy, Alan Wells. Alan, what's going on, man? Uh, not too much. Just trying to get through this second half of the season here and uh, get to the playoffs so we can see what this Lightning team really has this season. Now, would, would you describe yourself as the Steven Stamkos to my Nikita Kucherov, or do you think you'd more describe yourself as the Braden Colburn to my Dan Girardi? Ah, uh, the first one, please. Not the, <laughs> not the second one. I don't think. I don't think anything. Anyone wants to be that. Yeah, I'll take the. I'll, I'll be Stamkos, and, and you you can set me up, and, and I'll finish. Yeah, well, I, I I would like to believe that's the case, but I guess it depends on uh, on who you ask. Although I, I will say, I mean, Dan Girardi's been sneakily effective this season, no? Uh he has been. Uh, every bit of average, mm, which is, which is uh, much more than I could have possibly expected. Yes, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah that I, I wrote uh, something when the rumor came out that they were going to sign him. And that is that is looking like probably the worst thing I've ever written in terms of uh, projections at this point, um, because he he looked so bad by every metric. And it, it kind of makes you wonder what was what was going on in New York, if it was just usage or if there's some system effects to there. Um, but it'd be really interesting to try to figure out what what can make a guy go from maybe the worst player in the in regular player in the league by by war uh mm-hmm. last season to, to looking like a league average player that that's a huge change yeah it's all relative all right well let's let's get into this lightning team um i haven't had a chance to have you on on the show this season last time we talked was during the summer i remember we did a mailbag episode but it's obviously things have been going uh very well pretty much everything that could have gone right has so far i mean the team is Actually, they're not—they're not really running away with Atlantic Division anymore, right? It looks like um, Boston has actually made cut quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of dent into their lead here. I mean, they're still up by five or six points, but Boston has a few games in hand, so they still have something to play for. But I mean, it's obviously been uh, a very effective and promising season so far. Um, I don't know, like, where should we start with this discussion? Should we just talk about all the bright spots first? Get talk about Kucherov, Stamkos, Vasilevsky, and then get into some other stuff, or do you think? What, what do you think we should do? Yeah, I mean, we can do that. We can talk about the season just kind of, kind of generally. And, and you're right in saying that everything's going well. And I, I had pointed out a couple times in different pieces that uh, not only have they played well at times, but they've also gotten a lot of a lot of good good luck. I, you know, I have to say, I mean, they're they're a 
they have a lot of shooting talent, so you you expect them to finish at a little higher rate than than the rest of the league. But they've they've even considering that they've had some good shooting luck, and and Vasilevsky has been lights out for the first half of the year, and and I'm not sure that he's quite at that level to to play that way consistently. So they they had a great stretch there for about 20 games where they are a dominant shot share and expected goal share team, and then they've also gotten a lift from from shooting and goaltending. So yeah, and and healthy, which they weren't at all last year. So that, that's been another huge thing. And, and even, even that headman in, injury, you know, it's, it's a three to six week injury. He comes back after three weeks, two of those weeks are, you know, one is the, the bye week and one is the all-star break. So they're just getting those kind of, those kind of breaks that they, they didn't catch last season. And, and that's that combined with their good play is, is, we need a really good results. Yeah, after everything they went through last year, I feel like they were uh, they were due for some positive regression in terms of uh, injury luck and all that. But you know, it's um, I think the Lightning fans that are listening right now would probably um, shudder at this comparison because obviously of how uh, you know their postseasons wound up turning out. But so like this profile reminds me a lot of the Washington Capitals teams over the past few years where. Like, you know, by any metric, they're obviously very, very good and they have so much talent that you expect them to um, exceed sort of the, the regular, you know, shooting and, and save percentage rates that you'd expect, as you mentioned. But it there is a bit of good fortune involved. And obviously, we know that come the postseason um, in such a small little sample in a seven game series, anything can really happen. So it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, with this team you sort of want to enjoy the ride and you want to enjoy all the winning they're go- doing and how they're accomplishing it this season. But then you sort of also have to try and remain as level-headed as possible and not get too carried away because we've sort of seen this story and how it, how it plays out before. Yeah, I, I think, I think you, you hit it there with the, the sample size stuff in the playoffs. I mean, those were the results that time of year are so percentage driven and, and we've seen that the caps get, get tanked by shooting percentage or save percentage or both at times. Um, you know, I, I don't think you can worry too much about that stuff. Um, I think the process has been really good this year. I've been happy with a lot of the decisions that they made, um, in terms of the way they structured the lineup, the, the way they divvied up minutes and things like that. So, um, I, I think they're kind of doing all the, all the right things for the most part i got a couple little things that i can nitpick but but for the most part i think they're they're headed in the right direction and they're they're earning the results that they're getting and you know who, who knows what happens when you get to the playoffs you know you hit a hot goalie or you know you can't find the net for a couple games and, and you're in trouble but i think the the process has been solid this year so do you think come the end of the season um and we when we go through that awards vo- voting process um obviously there's still a lot of season left and you know injuries can happen or surprising storylines can unfold but Based on sort of the trajectory we're on right now, it definitely seems like, you know, the the MVP is Kucherov's to lose. Uh, obviously, McKinnon has been making quite a bit of a run, but even he got injured last night. So we'll see we'll see what happens with that. But you know, let's assume things keep going this way. And do you think do you buy into the argument that it's sort of tough to separate you know the contributions of a guy like Steven Stamkos to Kucherov's case, or do you think it's one of those things where they definitely complement each other and they work off of each other? But Kucherov's individual greatness is undeniable and he's very deserving of that award yeah i mean i i could honestly make a make a case for for either mm-hmm. at this point um and I, I think that's something that i'm gonna dig into a little bit more over the next few weeks if you if you look at their their shot metrics like if, if you i mean obviously they're both near the, the top of the league in scoring and, and kucherov's doing more of it at 5v5 and, and stamkos is doing it more of it on the power play um but if you dig in a little deeper stamkos's shot metrics are actually significantly better than Kucherov's Kucherov I think is is a a negative uh 
shot share and expected goal share uh, relative to teammates player this year, which is very different for him. And obviously he's playing on a great team. And so some of those relative metrics can get skewed a little bit in that situation. And um, so I'm, I'm not, you know, downplaying his season by any means, but I, I think Stamkos deserves a, a little more credit because he's, he's looking really solid across the board and right up, up near the top of the league in scoring. So I think there's a solid case to be made, honestly, for, for either of those guys. And I'll be interested to see if Stamkos starts to, to gain some steam over the second half of the season uh, in that discussion, or if it kind of stays focused on Kucherov, where, where a lot of that momentum is really carrying over from the end of last season when he was just outrageously dominant um, in trying to carry this team to the playoffs. So it's funny that was how those awards, they kind of build momentum over multiple seasons and it sort of feels like a, a certain player's time it feels like it's Kucherov's time and um you know he would certainly be be deserving yeah yeah usually when you say it's someone's time it's you know the Drew Doughty thing where it's probably not right, yeah. his time but in this case yeah it's 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 very well deserved yeah I did notice that I mean obviously you you know small sample size caveat it's only about uh I want to say like 100 to 150 minutes or so at five on five that they haven't played together this season. But Stamkos's number is definitely uh, skyrocket in terms of shot share and all that without Kucherov, whereas Kucherov's dropped down a little bit. But I don't know. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you don't want to really overthink it. They just go so well together. And especially on the power play. I mean, I, I think as the year has gone on, it's slowed down a little bit, but it's still it's so tough to defend when you have, you know, Kucherov on that right circle and Stamkos on the left and they're both equally effective as as playmakers and as shooters and it's you know that east west across the royal road I mean it's it's a thing of beauty it's I I think that my argument for having um the the red zone version a channel for the NHL where it goes straight whenever the team's on a power play and it goes straight to that so you can see what's happening I think uh I would definitely need that for the lightning because I want to watch every single time they go on the power play yeah it's 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 when it's clicking it's it's unfair um to have two guys with with that caliber shot and and the ability to to pass the way they do on opposite sides of each other at at the same time with with an advantage it's just it's just unreal and that's that's not something that they did a lot uh before this year that was a big change that they made on the on the power play coming into this season um todd richards who who coaches the power play has made huge improvements that was a major weakness if you remember a couple years ago um in their deep playoff runs that they they were they they were genuinely bad on the power play, even with as much offensive talent as they have. And so he's kind of worked all that out and just said, you know, these are our two best players. We're going to set them up on opposite sides of the ice and good luck making decisions about which side you want to shade to because we'll take whatever you give us. Yeah, it's weird because in, in most cases, um, a guy like Victor Hedman with the shot that he has at the top of the point, you'd be very happy with him getting a clean look whenever he could. But just based on the other weapons they have, I kind of feel like a little disappointed every time they settle for that shot from the point because I feel like they could generate such a higher quality look. So I guess that just, you know, it goes to, it goes to show just uh, the plethora of weapons they have with that unit. But, you know, this, in terms of thinking ahead, um, obviously the not this summer, but the one after is going to be the one where they're going to have to make some serious decisions and shell out some more money. But this year, the one big name that they're going to have to kind of figure out what they're going to do with financially is Vlad Nemesnikov. And, you know, in this discussion with Kucherov and Stamkos, obviously they're going to take a lot of the spotlight and the attention, but he's sort of done when he's been with them out there, he's sort of done sort of all that little stuff around the net and he's been supremely effective on his own. And I know it's kind of weird. Like what I know that you're personally a big fan of his game, but it's it's kind of tough because you obviously don't want to necessarily pay him and reward him uh, purely based on production just because of this great spot he's in. But at the same time, I'm sure that's going to dictate some of the negotiations as well. Yeah, that, that's a 
that's going to be a really interesting negotiation. It's going to depend really heavily, I think, on on what happens with him in the second in the second half of the year. Um, I wrote a big kind of feature on him over, over the summer and just kind of highlighting some of the things that he does. He's he's so great in the defensive zone and he's great at starting the breakout. And like you said, he's good around the net. Um, he just uh, he 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 does all the little things that kind of free up Stamkos and Kucherov when he's playing with them to to focus on their offense. Um, you know, he just bears a, a lot of that responsibility to get the play started and they can focus on getting out through the neutral zone and, and start the rush. And he's happy to trail and, and kind of drive that center lane um, behind and, and pick up the garbage and, and forecheck and all that stuff. And um, he, he's been super valuable, but in the past he hadn't really scored at all. And so the thought was that, you know, he would probably be a pretty affordable player because, you know, contracts tend to be based heavily on points and, and some of the you know, some of the more micro stat kind of stuff, you know, zone exit, zone entry, neutral zone play, um, that kind of stuff doesn't doesn't factor in as much in, in negotiations right now. But with the points he's put up this season, that kind of changes the equation. And so uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if if they, you know, it's it's one season of, of that kind of those kind of results for, for him to pull from. Um, but, yeah, it kind of kind of threw a monkey wrench into the into the plans. And, um, you know, his agent's going to have a good case to, to push for a decent contract. And um, that could that could be a, a complicating factor, you know, for, for next summer with with Kucherov and Point uh, needing contracts. When I, from a lineup construction perspective, whenever you're sort of thinking about what the best way is to uh, fill out your forward lines and how to surround star talent like Kucherov and Stamkos, it's always it's always interesting to sort of think about it from a philosophical perspective, right? Because uh, you know, there's an the argument to be made that you want to diversify and maybe you put slightly less less effective individual talent with them just because you know their own star talent is going to help uh rise them and elevate their own performance but with a guy like Nemesnikov watching him sort of feed off of them is fascinating because like he's got his own skill in his own right it's obviously not nearly to the degree that where they're at but he can sort of think the game at the same level they can and i feel like with these guys in particular uh that's such a useful skill as opposed to putting just sort of more of a kind of gritty prototypical guy who's going to go to the net and crash all the time like i i've enjoyed that as opposed as opposed to some other times how we see uh coaches favor playing star players with more gritty types yeah, I think it's it's that that skill fit thing is is really interesting, and it's one of the things that I think we're learning about about a lot um, in terms of how the game is changing. And you know, if you have a guy like him who where his his weaknesses are exactly the strengths of the two guys he's playing with, then that that can be a really powerful thing, and, and it allows you to shift a guy like Andre Pilat down to the second line, and he can he can be a big driver on that line, and it just it just allows for you to kind of disperse talent throughout the throughout those four lines if you can sort of see that puzzle and say hey this this guy is weak in this area but these other line mates are strong and if if we put them together we've got a we've got a really solid unit yes um all right let's talk a bit about vasilevsky um you know we were talking about the individual awards and uh recognizing the great play of the uh lightning so far and it seems like you know kucherov's probably going to win the heart and it seems like it could be a bit of a clean sweep up top there where I'd say the Vesna is Vasilevsky's right now to lose. Like I'm, I'm curious to see how his second half is going to look because he's never really at the NHL level or I guess anywhere had to have this type of a workload. Um, I believe his last year was his tops and he, in terms of workload and he had 50, 50 games or so. So he's already going to smash that this year. And I'm kind of, you know, we'll see if that takes its toll on him or whether he's able to maintain this performance, but you know, he basically, by any metric you look at, especially the ones voters will be looking at with goals against and wins and, uh, and, and save, just regular save percentage. He's, uh, you know, sweeping all those for all regular starters in the league. So it seems like barring some sort of collapse, um, it's going to be his to win. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're exactly right on that. I mean, if you look at the if you look at the stats that that the the voters are going to look at, um, you know, he's he's been great in those all year long. Um, he he has you know had a boost by playing behind the team that he's playing, the Lightning. I think people might not realize that the strength for them from a from a shot metric perspective has really been their defense. Has been shot suppression, um, suppressing you know quality chances against, and and that that pushes down those those expected goals against. Um, but even acknowledging that he's he's performed at a level above you know sort of where you would expect even behind a good defense. So he, yeah, he's he's been great, and and to see him at this age kind of starting to fulfill kind of the potential that everyone saw for him is is encouraging and it's got to be a little scary i would think for the rest of the league if you look at a team with the the finishing talent that the lightning have up front and then you you put a a plus goalie or you know maybe even a you know we're talking maybe like top 10 or maybe even top five goalie Mm -hmm. in the net i mean that's a that's a pretty dangerous combination in terms of winning hockey games you know scoring a lot of goals and not giving up many it's kind of tough to beat that <laughs> yes yeah no that's uh that's that's analytics for you right there uh that's you, it's, a, it's a good formula you stumbled upon um yeah you know I, I just can't i can't shake and obviously you know as we mentioned at the start of the show um the fact that it hasn't worked out for a team like the caps in, in recent years has no bearing on what's going to happen with this lightning team but yeah when you're just thinking about the offensive talent especially individually up front and then the top five goaltender um it's man i, I guess capitals fans more so than anything are just listening to this right now and they just feel sick yeah i mean I, the 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 parallels are definitely there um you know i think uh if you're if you're a Lightning fan, you just try to you, you try that Washington's got a long storied history of of terrible luck in the playoffs. And you just got to kind of hope that's that's theirs. And uh, we'll 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 have our own. <laughs> we'll have yeah. our own much better luck. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. Let's take a quick break here to hear from a sponsor. And we're going to talk about, um, you know, their Eastern Conference competition and trade deadline moves and all that on the other side of things. Sounds good. We've been doing uh, SeatGeek reads on the HockeyPDO cast for some time now, and the reason why we keep doing them is because I legitimately believe in their product. Uh, having used them countless times in the past, they've saved me plenty of time and effort over the years, and hopefully they can do the same for you. Uh, anyone that's bought tickets before knows that getting the act of actually getting tickets to sporting events and concerts can be really complicated and confusing and time con- and time consuming but it really doesn't have to be because there's a better simpler way to buy and that's with SeatGeek. Uh, whether you're searching for a last minute deal planning a night out or looking to buy the perfect gift for someone in your life SeatGeek's designed to help you find the best seats at the best prices fully guaranteed there's really nothing quite like seeing your favorite team in person um you know who can speak from personal experience our friend ben watson uh he's someone who's done by my account at least two smart things that i know of in the recent past first he listened to the hockey pdo cast and second he took my advice on the show and used seat geek to land himself uh, a couple tickets to go watch the habs play the abs in montreal recently uh he sent me a picture and looked like he was having a great time with his crew and it always makes me happy to see my listeners um taking my advice and going to going to games and, and having a blast so you too can be like Ben Watson, uh, because SeatGeek is now hooking up all my listeners with $20 off their first purchase. To get in on the fun, just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code PDO. That's promo code PDO for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Now, let's get back to the show. Okay, um, before we get into trade deadline stuff and hypothetical sort of fantasy booking trades and stuff like that, you know, let's let's work under the assumption that the Lightning right now are the class of the Eastern Conference. When you look at the rest of the teams out there, um, who do you view as their biggest competition come playoff time? So, uh, f- for me, uh, I think 
I think Boston is is really good. I think they're not getting the the credit fully that they deserve. They they're their uh, shot metrics and stuff look great. That that top line that they have is outrageous. Um, and then if and then from there, obviously you gotta you gotta go over the over to the metro. I mean, the, I think the Leafs are are good. I don't know that they're really there in terms of being a real threat in the playoffs yet this year. Um, but then you go over to the metro and and you know, I don't really understand how Washington is is putting up. Uh, the the results that they are, I, I look at their points in the standings, and then I look at their metrics, and I, I <laughs> seems to be a huge gap there, but it doesn't seem to ever change. So I, I don't know; they're just gonna ride their their shooting and goaltending. Um, I think Pittsburgh is still like terrifying. I don't understand what's happening with them percentage wise. They're like the the anti caps this year, um, but their their shot metrics, especially over the last few weeks, are ridiculous. And if, if a couple pucks start going in the net and they save some at the other end, they're gonna be they're gonna be a nightmare to deal with. So I, I would say probably probably the Bruins and and the Pens are the two teams that that concern me most. Yeah, especially when you look at um, on paper how they'd match up and sort of how a potential series would play out from an X's and O's perspective. I'd be so fascinated to see that Lightning Bruins series because, you know, there aren't too many teams out there that could theoretically go power versus power with the Lightning and succeed or, or, or actually have an advantage. And I'd be very fascinated to see if, you know, let's, especially for the games in Boston where the Bruins could potentially hard match and, and throw out that Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak line against Kucherov and Stamkos, whether Cooper would stick with that or whether he'd try and break those two guys up. Like he's experimented uh, in, in small samples this season uh, to try and go for a more balanced attack because I don't know, like it's that Bergeron line might be one of the few out there that can actually go head to head with those guys. And I'm, I'd, I'm very curious to see what, what would play out from that perspective. Yeah, it's it's really intriguing. I I don't I, I was thinking the same thing and you know it it, it would be interesting to see the, the difference in the way that that the coaches deploy those lines um you know when the Lightning are home versus versus when Boston's home. You know, Boston's got a choice if they, if they want to go if they want a hard match against against the Lightning's top line, the 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 problem for them there is that the Lightning have a bunch of other good yes. lines that, yeah. that that can score goals, and if if they might be better served trying to get that line out in good matchups where they can get their offense, um, because they rely on that that line so heavily to score. Um, whereas the Lightning might be more focused on you know just if they can if they can just get, not get killed when that line's on the ice, then then they can survive and and win the other matchups. But yeah, it's it's re- it's really interesting, you know how just how top heavy Boston is, and I think the the rest of their roster is a little underrated. They have some some lesser known guys who are and younger guys who are who are coming up and and playing really well for them. But they that that first line is just is terrifying. Yeah, you're right. I mean, obviously they don't get much of the attention because of the top dogs on this team, but that. Uh you know, Point and, and Johnson and then whether it's been Palat or Gord with them have been uh, spectacular all year. And yeah, I imagine that those guys would probably feast quite a bit on the Bruins secondary units. Um, so yeah, you're, I mean, that's kind of what makes this Lightning team uh, as lethal as it is. It's, you know, it has the, the, the top few guys up top, but then there's actually some more substance to it as well. And, and that's obviously going to be huge come playoff time when you need more than just one or two guys. Yeah, I think... Uh point making the all-star game kind of brought him out into the the broader public eye a little bit more but um that that kid is is legit he he's playing like a 
for real like top line NHL center this year. He's his his five v five scoring rate is is right near the top of the league. He doesn't get first power play unit time, and he doesn't he hasn't scored a ton on the power play this year, and that that's why his overall scoring numbers are are a little bit lower. But his his two way impact is is huge, and Cooper's been talking really since he came up last year as a rookie that he thinks he's a future kind of selkie candidate type player and at his height he's he's a he's going to be a really interesting guy to watch sort of what his impact becomes on the league when when people realize that a guy that size can can drive play in in both directions and be you know score a ton of points and also be really great defensively well that's the thing i i I've obviously been a huge fan of his for a while now and, and was very optimistic about him as a prospect and have, you know, recognized how fun he's been to watch this season. But I guess just because of that usage and because he hasn't been able to uh, rack up a bunch of more superficial power play production, it slid a bit under the radar. But then I remember looking the other day and at the time it was like McKinnon, Kucherov, McDavid, and I think Barzal. And then he was right there behind those guys in terms of just raw five on five points, which is truly remarkable and obviously i think that you know going to the all-star game um kind of opened some people's eyes to that but it's still it's still it's it's still remarkable and it's still he's not going to get that attention until maybe come the postseason when he starts to make a name for himself as well yeah and i mean he's his his trajectory is is really encouraging i mean he he wasn't expected to even make the team last year he forced his way onto the team out of camp um, struggled a little bit out of the gate, had an injury, came back in the second half of the year, was dominant when they had all the injuries. It was he and Kucherov on that top line that, that were so great that almost got them into the playoffs last year. Um, yeah, his his contract situation next year is, is going to be really interesting. And the Lightning, I'm not sure if people have fully realized it yet, but the Lightning may have stumbled into another like legit star forward <laughs> to go with to go with the other guys they have, which is kind of scary. Well, they definitely needed another one of those. So, uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's good thing. Yeah. Good thing. Good timing. Yeah. No, I was, uh, watching, um, the world juniors and obviously those guys are still a ways away, but you watch, it seems like every time, uh, a prospect was doing something, it's like, you look up who drafted them. It's like, Oh, the Tampa Bay lightning. Oh, this is, this is, this is, this is going to be good in a, in a couple of years. So it's, uh, yeah, there's definitely the pipeline is amazing. And I guess that's a good segue here to kind of look ahead and talk about the trade deadline and, sort of this team's needs and how they can load up for the postseason. And, you know, we haven't really talked about the blue line much yet, other than that little uh, back and forth about, about Dan Girardi at the start of the show. But if there was one uh, particularly glaring need on this team, I imagine that it would be adding another kind of play driver on the back end there, would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think that they have... They basically have they have Hedman and Strawman who they can rely on every night all the time to to carry a pair if they have to. They have Sergachev who has done I think more than I expected this year been been really good. Struggled a little bit. He's finally hit that that wall a little bit I think um, where his numbers have have kind of gone in the tank for the last I don't know five five to ten games or so and they they sat him down for a couple games um which i think you know some people weren't happy with but i think that i think that was fair if, if you look at the results he had over a few games there um so he, he's kind of he's kind of the wild card where he can you know if he can be a, a really solid you know third d then that's that's a huge win for them but they, it's they still have a hole in in that top four because they've got they've got those three guys and then they've got five guys who should all be on the bottom pair or like a seventh d um and they, they just still have a spot where somebody's playing in, in the in the top four who shouldn't be most of the year it's been it's been jake dotchin and he, he you know he victor Hedman pretty much carries him and, and he does 
you know, he, he plays a simple game and, and tries not to, to cause any problems basically. And, and lets Victor Hedman kind of, kind of do his thing. Um, but yeah, they, they, I think they would, they would really like to have a, a solid top four and then, and then be able to flex whoever they feel like is deserves playing time on that third pair. So, Alan, one of the reasons why I love following you on Twitter is because I, I honestly think you are one of the more sort of rational, level-headed, uh, pragmatic thinkers there is. You you rarely ever get uh, overly carried away unless it's something relating to Matthew Pekka. But <laughs> this is, <laughs> but I, this, that's why I want you right now to talk me out of why uh, the Lightning should not go all in with Eric Carlson. Yeah, we've been this 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 thing is is getting a little out of control. I think I, I think first of all, um, like I, I understand where it's coming from. There's not that many teams that have the assets to go get him and and feel like they're not totally gutting their system to do it. That the Lightning could do that, um, and then obviously they, you know, they they sort of fit that profile of a of a win now team. Um, I, I I'm not totally against the idea where where I start to run into problems as I try to think through it is, you know, if we're talking about a trade deadline move this season, um, it just seems I, I don't see how the Lightning could sign him long term. I just don't see how they have the cap space with Kucherov's contract coming up and points contract coming up. Um, Vasilevsky's going to need a, a new deal in a few years. They've got kids coming up through the pipeline. Um, if they didn't trade Sergachev in a, in a deal for Carlson, he's he's going to need a contract at some point. So I just I don't know how they could sign him long term. And so th- then you're talking about essentially a year and a half rental. Um, and they have the cap space to do it. Absolutely, uh, they they could definitely fit him in. But I I just I have to imagine that there's a team out there that would be able to sign him long term that would be in at the trade deadline this year and 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 want to acquire him. And I can't imagine the price that the Lightning would pay for a year and a half of him outbidding a team that thinks that they're getting him for the next, you know, 10 or 12 years or, or, or whatever it might be. Um, so that, that's sort of where I just have a hard time seeing it be viable. Um, but I, I guess if, if the market sort of doesn't emerge and Ottawa feels like they, you know, they panic and they have to do something, I guess, I, I guess anything, anything's possible with, with that team. Yeah, it's it's tough. There's obviously a lot of uh, layers to a potential deal like this because, like on the one hand, um, I'm all for taking calculated risks when you're one of the handful of teams that is legitimately contender and has a chance to win a Stanley Cup because you sort of can't take that window for granted. And we see time and time again, and you know, just weird, unforeseen things happen, injuries happen, guys randomly decline, and all of a sudden you thought this this team that was going to be uh, there for years all of a sudden isn't there anymore. So I think you know with this Lightning team, it's very clear that right now they're positioned as one of the best, if not the best team in the league, and they should go all in but at the same time obviously um bringing a guy a guy like carlson in doesn't necessarily guarantee you anything and yeah it seems like the cost is probably going to be pretty exorbitant and i think the one thing that the lightning have um kind of going against them in this case is they do have the assets and i think they could build a very intriguing package of either young cost control players or picks or prospects but they can't really take back any other bad contracts from the senators and i imagine that that's something if they do trade Carlson that they're going to try to accomplish as well. So that would kind of throw the biggest monkey wrench in this. Um, if you're just thinking about it from the Senator's perspective. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a that's a great point. I'm sure they're going to want to try to unload one of you know maybe Fanua for somebody yeah, to try Ryan, to maybe. ease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to try to ease some of that ease some of that strain and the lightning definitely definitely couldn't definitely you know couldn't do that. I think the for this from the Sens perspective, it's it's a really interesting thing. And I personally, I, I don't expect anything to happen at the trade deadline. I think that's a really kind of difficult move to try to orchestrate you know in season but you know you got to wonder if they if they head into the summer and they have a real thought that he's not coming back and hopefully they're realistic enough to know that they're not going to be competitive next year i mean they almost have to do it in the summer don't they to 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 get something to to deal him either at the trade deadline next year as a rental um, where they're going to get almost nothing compared to his actual value or even worse to let him walk for nothing. I mean, it, it seems like if, if they really get the sense that, that either they're not willing to spend the money to bring him back or that he's not interested in coming back, that they kind of have to do something over the summer. Yeah, but I, I think they kind of have to do something right now, don't they? Like, I, I understand that, especially with a player of Carlson's caliber, um, you just never know when you're going to get another opportunity to have a guy like that on your team. And when you do have him, you want to do everything you can to keep him. But it's like, obviously things aren't getting better right now. And there isn't much reason to believe that they will. And I imagine that a team would be willing to pay significantly more to take two shots, like especially for a team like the Lightning, for example, like the fact that they could go for two runs with Eric Carlson compared to the one they'd get if they traded at some point in the summer or into next season. So I don't know. That's It's something that it seems crazy on the surface, but the more you think about it, it makes more sense. And the Senators, I imagine, are weighing all these things right now. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine what that what that I mean, there's there's a lot of issues in that front office that have sort of led to this situation, obviously. I mean, they, they, you know, they haven't handled it optimally or they wouldn't they wouldn't be in this spot. But, um, yeah, that's that's a that's a crazy thing to have to try to, you know, do we do we pull the trigger now? Do we do we wait until this summer when we can sit down with the agent and the player and try to talk it out and make some progress? And then if we, we don't make any progress, then do we do it then? Because, um, yeah, it's it's it's. it's Every every kind of step along the path that you go further, you're, you're getting less and re- you're getting less in return, and um, yeah, it's just that that's kind of an ugly situation, and I'm I'm surprised it's gotten to the point that it has. Well, and the other other factor we haven't mentioned yet, and not that this should necessarily dictate your decision making, especially for a team like the Senators, who if they trade Eric Carlson, they'd be a few years away anyways. So you should just focus on building out your own team and worry about everything else afterwards. But it's also, uh, it would be an in-division trade, and that would be an extra uh, layer of cruelty to subject your fans to watching him play against your team, what, at least four or five times in the next season as well? Like, that's, man, that'd be a, that'd be a pretty, pretty tough pill to swallow for, for the Senators fans, assuming, you know, even if they got a good package in return, I'd still be one of those things that would be a, a tough thing to reconcile. Yeah, it would it would be interesting to see like if they, you know, in in a hypothetical scenario where they they trade, you know, with the Lightning and the Lightning give them some, you know, massive package of of prospects and picks in return um and you know, a NHL ready player like like Sergachev, I would imagine. Um it'd be really interesting to see how that how those, you know, the, the Lightning would obviously dominate that matchup for a few years, but it'd be really interesting to see, you know, in 5 years how that how that looks or if maybe the Senators were, you know, kind of getting back at the lightning a little bit with some of those prospects that they acquired um depending on who they got so what okay what would a a package in your mind from the lightning look like for carlson because i imagine that the senators would 
I mean, would you would you prefer Sergachev or would you prefer uh, Braden Point if you were the Senators? If I was the Sens, I would be asking for Point. Um, and if I was the Lightning, I would be saying no <laughs> to that. Um, just based on what I said, I mean, I, I, I think, I think he's, he's a legit star and I, I don't, I think he's just kind of scraping the surface. And I think in two years we're going to be talking about him as a really special player. Um, if I was going to do it, if I was a lightning, I would probably be talking about Sergeyev. Um, and you're probably also talking about another like star prospect and, you know, a first round pick. So, you know, I, I, I wrote an article a couple days ago and I speculated something like Sergeyev, Taylor Radish and a, and a first, um, that seems, and, and, and another pick maybe, you know, either another first or or a second or something. I I mean, the value of, of a player like Carlson, who's, you know, top five player in the NHL. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of, it's, it's hard almost to, to overpay for, for what he's going to bring to your team. And if, and so as much as fans would like to try to put together a package of like, you know, eight, uh, mid-tier prospects and, and like mid-round picks, like that's, that's not going to get it done. They, they, they need, they're going to need, you know, potential stars in return to, to have their fan base even be willing to, you know, consider that, that that was a reasonable deal. You don't think Adam or any Slater Cuckoo can third is going to get it done? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll give you uh, six future third line forwards and and four third round picks, and that, and that'll well, Eugene that'll, that'll probably be like, wait, how how many years are those guys going to be cost controlled? Because that's what I want. I mean, yeah, it's I mean, especially for a team like the Senators, like you know, Braden Point still, I guess he only has one more year. He obviously still be an RFA after that, but based on his production this year, uh, you imagine he's going to cash in handsomely with his next deal, but. Yeah, I mean, get it, getting getting a young pr- guy who can produce for you at that rate, and you know that for years you're going to be able to control how much he's going to cost. That I imagine for a team like the Senators has some uh, extra enticing appeal. So, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I mean, this is why this is a discussion in the first place because there's a, a few different ways that the Lightning could go about structuring a package that the Senators would at least have to consider, and that's what makes it a fun topic. Yeah, and and I think you know. While that's definitely a compelling package for the Sens, like you have to think about that from the Lightning perspective too. And you know, I mean, Carlson's a great player, and I don't want to go crazy on aging curves and stuff. But you know, he's 27, and when he signs that next deal, he's going to be 29, and you know, that's probably going to be like a 10-year deal. And you know, you you just got to think through all that stuff and the amount that you're going to be paying him for for which portion of his career compared to you know what you would do if you held on to a guy like Sergeyev or you know even you know even worse you know Braden Point. Um, so yeah, you just you just got to think through you know how how much are we how much are we sort of accelerating our timeline and and condensing you know the the time period where where we think that we can be competitive. Yeah, that's 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 such a tough thing because. You obviously, if you're running this team, you have to think about the future and you sort of want to make sure that you're prepared for the years to come when you're going to have to start, you know, siphoning off talent. And and just because of the nature of the salary cap world, which is, you know, something we've seen with the Blackhawks over the years. But at the same time, the appeal of bringing in Eric Carlson, assuming he's he's healthy enough to be the player we know he can, um, I'd be like, because you could either just totally load up and just play him and Hedman and just absolutely destroy whenever those guys are on the ice or you could just pretty much guarantee that either Carlson or Hedman is going to be on the ice for nearly the entirety of a playoff game which is pretty bonkers based on what we saw in last year's playoffs alone for example where 
you know, whenever Carlson was on the ice, the Senators were completely dominating. So it's it's one of, and and they were obviously a worse team around him than what the Lightning would be able to surround him with. So I don't know. It's I, I guess this is why Steve Eiserman's paid the big bucks because it's a it's a pretty difficult decision and, and a, a a variety of different factors that you really have to weigh. Yeah, I mean, even if nothing nothing happens here, it's it's such an interesting topic, and it's it's a really interesting thought experiment to try to work your way around and all the different permutations and all the different ways that it can work, and um, you know, what price do you pay now versus what you would pay in the summer versus what you would pay the trade deadline next year versus you know what would you consider you know for him as a ufa and all that stuff so yeah it's just it's 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 gonna it's gonna be a topic until until it resolves itself because there there's so many different ways to approach it so let's say i mean obviously you're a lightning fan so I'm, i imagine you're hoping that um carlson goes to the lightning but if he if we assume that he's gonna get traded um do you have another team if it weren't the lightning that you'd like to see him on just in terms of a sort of an enjoyment and also oh this team would all of a sudden become super interesting as a contender perspective um i mean it's it's i I think there's some some spots where where he could go that that would that would make it interesting but it's hard to think of a team that like has the you know the the right pieces to acquire him and the right kind of where they're in the right kind of spot to to be competitive you know where he's going to want to sign long term um you know I, i don't know i was trying to kick some around earlier uh, I haven't looked at cap space and stuff, but what about the Isles? Mm. What about the Islanders, where they where they they just have like this horrific defensive results, and I don't know if it's defense or goaltending or both, um, you know, and they're trying to keep Tavares, and and I don't know, like that seems like maybe an interesting. I don't know that he'd want to go there with their arena situation and everything, but that that would be kind of an interesting spot where he would fill an immediate need. Yeah. Oh man, imagine if. I mean, obviously, I think. <laughs> If the Islanders traded for him, um, I imagine that would help convince John Tavares to sign with him this summer. But imagine if they traded a, a, a premium package of prospects and picks to get Carlson. And then <laughs> Tavares walks, and then the next summer, Carlson's like, yeah, I'm not sticking around here. And then he leaves as well. That would be a, a bit of a death knell. But okay, here's I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a team. What about Vegas? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's an interesting one. Um, you know, I saw that one floating around today. The, the, the only thing that kind of, you know, they have so few assets right now in terms of like prospects, you know, they, they have one year of drafting. Um, and if they were to trade players out of that, it seems like they, that would be a huge, that would be kinda like a big commitment to them by them to, to winning right now and kind of short circuiting all their plans for development and stuff. But yeah, I mean, when you look at their results, um, you know, it'd certainly be fun to have him playing on that team. They they play a fast pace and they play a fun style and they seem ready to win right now. Shockingly, um, so that would definitely be interesting. Yeah, I've 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 been talking myself into them as being a legitimate contender or at least one of the handful of teams out west that, if things go their way, could make a lot of noise come postseason. And obviously, um, you know, for them having, especially come the postseason when I think star power is uh, of greater importance and you need guys that can really sort of individually take over games and series uh having a guy like carlson on the back end would be probably if you put him on their team it would be a bigger swing uh net positive than for any other playoff contender right now but yeah that, that that's that's tough I, I think it's probably smart for them to sort of enjoy this ride and maybe you go for some kind of uh smaller price for a different defenseman and you see what happens this postseason and then you you kind of you stay with this more disciplined approach where you're loading up on picks and prospects and building out your pipeline as opposed to just pushing all your chips in now and if it doesn't work out then you don't have much to show for it 
Yeah, I I would I would be, you know, that just seems like such a huge risk given where they are, you know, in their in their timeline as as a franchise and stuff. Um, the the other one that I thought about too was uh, I know this is unlikely because of division and and location and everything, but what what about the Leafs? What about Carlson on the Leafs? Oh, absolutely. It's a it's a no <laughs> no doubt about it. Slam dunk. But man. The, the Senators cannot trade Eric Carlson. Yeah. That would be a very tough, it would be very tough to save face if uh, if they did that. So I, I think that's one of those where, like, I, I think trading a guy like this in division is overrated, but in terms of just that sort of geographical yeah. thing, I think that'd be a tough one, tough one to pull off. Yeah, just, I, 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 when you're trying to think about teams that could actually put together a package though you know it's like what if what if they have the best package on the table what if they have something built around nylander and and some some other some other good good young prospects and they're willing to throw in some picks and i don't know it's it's when you're trying to think of teams that have the assets to really do that and the space to do it um there's not that many and they're 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 one of them Yeah, it's a tough one because i think a trade that would make a lot of sense would be something like you know, like a Leon Dreisaitl for him straight up. But mm-hmm. I, I don't, from the Senator's perspective, I can't see that being that appealing to them considering Dreisaitl is already getting paid like a star. Like I, he's, I guess he's under contract for many years to come. So you know that he's going to be around for a while, but I imagine that the Senators might have a different agenda in terms of trying to shed salary and also get more cost controlled guys as opposed to going one for one with a star for star. Yeah, I think, I think, I think you're exactly right there. I think they're going to want uh, ideally the youngest kind of NHL ready players that they can, that they can possibly get that they can have, like you said, you know, control of through, through their RFA years. I don't know if they, New Jersey would be interesting, but I don't know if they have the, uh, are you okay there, Alan? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you, you got floored by my uh, New Jersey suggestion there. You <laughs> can, can contain your excitement. No, I, I don't think, I don't know that the devils have the assets to make a trade like that happen. Um, but he'd obviously be intriguing there. And obviously I don't know if he'd resign there. And I imagine New Jersey would want some sort of confirmation for that as well. But they're, I mean, they're against all odds in the postseason right now. And obviously their biggest needs are on the blue line. So he'd be huge for that. But yeah, it's, yeah, and I, I, all the roads keep pointing back to Tampa Bay. I've been trying to find one team that makes more sense, and uh, I can't do it. I think Tampa Bay is the one that makes the most sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's a huge argument, uh, counter argument to that, honestly. I mean, I think they, they pretty clearly make the most sense. It's just a matter of, you know, if both sides would, would be serious about, about wanting to do that. So if you were running the Lightning, because um, I imagine that – you know, some other top defensemen who are under contract for another year or so and might command a bit smaller uh, price in terms of trade capital, like, are available, right? I mean, we've heard rumblings that Orion McDonough's available. You imagine that Oliver Ekman-Larsen would be available for the right price. Do any of those guys have appeal for you, or do you think it's one of those things where, unless the price is so much lower, and it's probably not, uh, you may as well just really, if you're going to do it, just push all in and go for a guy like Carlson instead. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the key is you got to look at, you know, what what is the difference in price? And, you know, that does it, you know, does, does it make up for the, for the gap, you know, in, in results that you're going to get? McDonough is appealing to me as, as a, you know, he's, he's a right-handed D. He would fit 
you know, kind of perfectly into to where they where they or no, he's he's a left. Um, but they he he would fit perfectly into where they have a need, sort of in that in that top four and slot. And Ekman Larson, I think, is a really interesting player um, who's kind of been up and down over the last couple of years. And it's it's tough to get a feel for for guys in Arizona um, in terms of the, their results, how much of that is team, and and how much of that is individual. Um, but yeah, I think I think both of those are appealing. It's just gonna it's just gonna come down to price, and and if if it's gonna be, you know. If we're talking about a, a difference of, you know, a, a couple draft picks or, or one more process or one or two more prospects or whatever, I mean, yeah, you 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 go get Eric Carlson and you 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 go for it for the next two years. Yeah, well, I should know better, but now I mean, we do this same dance every year where we talk ourselves into the best case scenario for all these blockbuster trades, and then the trade deadline comes and we're all waiting patiently and you know, it passes and nothing happens. And then we are, we're all disappointed and we go, all right, we've learned our lesson next year. We're going to remember this. And then the next year rolls around and here we are. It's the last day of January. And I'm, I'm just rubbing my hands together, hoping that some blockbuster trades are going to come down the pike. But, um, I don't know, I guess you, you, you seem less optimistic that something's going to happen. Maybe, uh, you, you've learned your lesson more so than I have in the past. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm just always. I guess I'm always a skeptic, and also having. I think going through the the Stamkos UFA stuff a couple of years ago. You know, you just the more times we go through this, you ultimately see guys, re, you know, resign. Um, I, I know there's there's complicating factors with Carlson in terms of the the where the where the franchise is at, and you know, that there seems to be some genuine concern there in terms of the their financial status and and all that stuff. But um. But yeah, I, I just I'm I'm always skeptical that these kind of huge deals are going to get done, and I think it's it's much more likely that something smaller happens, um, and hopefully it's it's not something worse like you know going out and getting like Jack Johnson or Erica Branson or something. Um, hopefully they can if if none of these these sort of big trades materialize, hopefully they don't they don't fall into the trap of settling for for one of those guys. Do you have a a sort of a lesser tier? intriguing option other like it obviously not good Branson and Jack Johnson but someone that would cost a similar uh it would be in a similar price range that would actually be appealing to a team like the Lightning so I haven't I haven't seen anyone um or come across anyone on the blue line that I think is is particularly intriguing that the name that interests me the most that has kind of floated out there a little bit and you and you and Charlie O'Connor talked about this um is is Wayne Simmons I think Wayne Simmons would be a great fit in the in with the lightning um they don't have anybody who really plays that net front game the way he does um they they still do have have an opening in in their top nine uh for a winger um that he that he could fill perfectly his his contract is great he's he'd be around for the next two years right right before the the kucherov and point contracts come up and if if they were willing to trade him for sort of what his actual value is i mean that is one that i would i would seriously consider it doesn't address you know what is obviously the perceived area of need it kind of adds to a strength area um but it, it gives them a, a really special skill set um that they don't have uh that, that i think would make them a lot better especially in the playoffs um when you know getting in front of the net and and kind of causing a mess and, and finding ways to get goals when when things are tighter um you know that that, that becomes even more valuable Boy, if they got Wayne Simmons, I think that uh, that Tampa Bay Lightning power play unit sure could uh, sure could make something of itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just Stamkos and, and Kucherov and Hedman just peppering the net, and 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 Simmons just cleaning up whatever junk happens to land in front. That'd be that'd be, that'd be terrifying. <laughs> um, all right, Alan, um, let's get out of here. Do you have uh, do you have anything to plug? What are you working on these days, and uh, where can people check out all your stuff? So you you can find my Lightning stuff uh, at Raw Charge. Um, I have a I do 
you know, kind of 10 game reports there where we look at the season in segments. I have another one coming out on Thursday. Um, so that, that should be out. Uh, I have, uh, all my sort of bigger picture stuff goes up at hockey graphs. I did an article uh, a couple months ago, even though it's old, I'm going to plug it anyway, where I, I kind of tried to introduce a method for, for estimating shot assists to, to give us a better idea of, of who are the, the players that are, that are making the passes that are leading the shots. Um, and I thought that was some pretty interesting stuff. So yeah, just check it out at raw charge and, and at hockey grass. And then obviously I'm at loser points on Twitter. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come chat and, um, you know, we'll see what's going to happen in these next couple of weeks leading up to the trade deadline. And I'm sure that we're going to have you back on sometime towards the postseason to uh, to talk about Lightning. Yeah, sounds great. All right, chat soon. All right. The Hockey PDO Cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey PDO Cast. Mm-hmm.